We're continuing in the series by Christopher Love of 16 Sermons, and uh, today we're on sermon number two and three. Fairly short, both of those sermons. Sermon number two in the text is 1 Kings 14.13. Because in him there is found some good thing towards the Lord God of Israel in the house of Jeroboam. 1 Kings 14.13 Having dispatched the observations which may be gathered from the circumstances in the text, I come to that main doctrine which I intend to handle, which is God doth not only exactly take notice of, but also tenderly cherish and graciously reward the smallest beginnings and weakest measures of grace which he works in the hearts of his own people. I might produce a, a cloud of testimonies to confirm this point. Our Savior Christ said that he will not break the bruised reed nor, or nor quench the smoking flax, Matthew 12:20. Observe, it is not said the strong oak shall not be broken, but the bruised reed shall not be broken. Not the light and flaming torch, but the smoking flax shall not be quenched. Smoking flax, where there is but little fire and much smoke of infirmity. Yet Christ will not quench it. He will cherish it. Here is the figure. Here is less spoken than is intended. He will be so far from quenching that he will cherish the smoking flax. As in another place, God has said that he will not despise a broken heart, Psalm 51:17. That is, he will highly esteem it. Solomon speaks of the fig tree putting forth her green figs, and the vine with her tender grapes gives a good smell. That is, the little measure and weak beginnings of grace in young converts do please the Lord Jesus Christ and are as sweet smell in his nostrils. Again, Christ saith, let us see if the vine flourish, whether the tender grape appear and the pomegranate bud forth, Canticles 7.12. The green buds are regarded by Christ as well as the ripe and grown fruit. In opening of the doctrine, I shall endeavor to clear these two things. First, that some of God's people have but weak measures and small beginnings of grace. Second, though there be but a little grace, yet God will regard it and reward it. So first, that some of God's people have but a little grace, have but the beginnings of grace wrought in their souls. In the handling whereof are three things. The truth of the proposition may be made good from the scriptures. I will lay down notes of discovery to know such as have but small measures of grace wrought in them. Three, and then show why God, in his wisdom, will not suffer his people to be all of an equal strength and stature and grace. First, how does it appear that some of God's people are but weak in grace? First, by the different names and titles that are given unto Christians in Holy Scriptures arguing that they are of different measure and growth in grace. Some are called strong men and others weak. Romans 15.1 1. 
Some are called babes in Christ, 1 Corinthians 3.1, and others called grown men, 1 John 2.14. Some are called trees of righteousness, plants of renown, that grow like cedars in Lebanon, Isaiah 61. Psalm 92, others are but a bruised reed, Matthew 12.20. Some are kids in Christ's flock and lambs, Canticle 1.8. Others are as the he-goats that go stately before the flock, First John um, 21. Some have grace flaming forth in much zeal and vivacity. They have the spirit of burning, Isaiah 4. And others are but smoking flax. That is, Christians that have much of the smoke of infirmity and but little of the flame of grace. Second, by the analogy that is between spiritual and natural differences of age, strength and stature in man, the Holy Scripture exactly sets down all the different degrees of grace under the similitude of different ages of men. There is a a forming of Christ in the heart, and so a spiritual conception, Galatians 4.19. There are those that are but newborn babes in Christ, 1 Peter 1.23. There are some who are advanced from infancy to be young men, 1 John 2:13. There are some that are grown men in Christ, old men, and all this doth but set forth the different degrees of grace that are in Christians, some having less, some more. In the Church of Christ, which is his orchard, there are trees of all sorts, spikenard and saffron, calamus and cinnamon, with all trees of frankincense, myrrh, and aloes, etc. Canticle 2.14. Brightman on this scripture notes that hereby is meant several sorts of Christians. Spikenard and saffron are young, weak professors. These are tender plants that scarce lift up the head above the ground. Calamus and cinnamon, which are shrubs of two cubits high, note Christians of a middle size, And the other trees note Christians of a more eminent measure in growth and grace. Second question. How may a man know himself that he is but of little measure and small beginning in grace? One, to be in much dependence on duties, argues thou art but weak in grace. A young Christian is like a young carpenter. He makes many chips and hath many blows, but doth not make much uh, smooth work as an experienced carpenter who will make fewer chips and at fewer blows better work. So young Christians, they are much in the use of duty, but they are apt to rely upon duty. They think duties make them saints, and they are apt to make saviors of their duties. Young Christians are affectionate in duties and frequent in their duties and see not their failings in their duties and so are apt to rest on their duties. As it is a sign of an apostate professor to cast off duty, so also a note of a young and weak professor to rest too much upon his duties. Two, a weak Christian is not clearly incited into the close and spiritual failings which cleave to his performances. 
He doth see his gifts and takes notice of his affections, but he doth not see the vanity of his mind, the unsoundness of his ends, his carnal dependence upon his duty, self-love, and vain glory. But in course of time, a grown Christian doth take notice of these things in himself. An experienced Christian will take as much notice of his failing in duty as of his ability in it. And though he discern an enlargement of gifts and graces in him at some times, yet he still discerns much spiritual pride, popular applause, ostentation of gifts, too much forwardness in setting out his parts, which a weak Christian seldom perceives. Three, to have a scrupulous conscience about matters of indifferency argues a weak Christian. For so the Apostle calls them weak in the faith, Romans 14.1 and 15.1, such as did bind conscience when the Scriptures left it free. One believer thought he might eat anything, and another doubted of the lawfulness of eating sundry things. Now those that doubted, the Apostle calls weak. And the weak conscience is apt to de- be defiled, Romans 14:21, and 1 Corinthians 7, 1 Corinthians 7, 8, or sorry, 8, 7, and 9, 2. Not to know our liberty and to abuse our liberty is an argument that we have, but little grace. Young converts make more sins than God ever made. They perplex and entangle themselves merely in indifferent things. It is true there ought to be a conscientious tenderness in all Christians. Tenderness of conscience is our duty. But a tormenting, entangling scrupulosity is our infirmity. And yet, as a weak Christian is better than no Christian, a weak faith is better than a dead faith. So a scrupulous conscience is better than a seared conscience. Four, to be so intently set on the exercises of religion and to neglect our particular callings is a sign that we are but weak in grace. It was a good saying of that famous man of God, Dr. Sibbs, I like that Christian well that will bear much and live much, that will pray much and work much. In young converts, their affections are strong and stirring and they think they can never hear enough. And they, many times, do neglect the duties of their callings, which doth argue their weakness and infirmity. An experienced, grown Christian is regular in his general and particular calling, so as the one shall not jostle and hinder the other. Five, to have men's persons in admiration argues weakness in grace. Such were the the Corinthians, who had men's persons in admiration. The Apostle calls them children, babes, and poor, low, and carnal Christians. 1 Corinthians 3. Babes, though they had the life of Christians, yet they had but little of the strength of Christians. They were carnal. They favored more of the flesh than of the spirit. Ignorance is often a cause of admiration. We Christians, who have but little knowledge are apt to be taken with men's persons and apt to be so taken with men's persons that one cries, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, 
and so fall into the sin of con- sin condemned of having the faith of Christ with respect of persons. James 2, 1. To cry up one minister and to cry down others. To idolize some and to despise others argues that thou art weak in the faith. A solid Christian loves all good ministers and can condemn none. Six, to be easily seduced and led away into error argues but weakness and grace. Those the apostle calls children who are tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Ephesians 4.14 Weakness of head doth argue that grace is not very strong in the heart. The way not to fall from our steadfastness is to grow in grace. For the Apostle Peter in his second epistle, chapter 3, doth join those two duties together, having given a caution, in verse 17, not to fall from steadfastness. He gives counsel in verse 18 to grow in grace. Strong Christians are steadfast, whereas weak ones are inconstant. And therefore, those professors that have been whirled about with diverse opinions, it is an evidence that they have but weak grace, if any. Seven, such as are only acquainted with the common principles of religion without further search into the depths and mysteries of religion. There are some professors who may be fitly styled babes in Christ because they have need of milk, Hebrews 5.12, being unskillful in the word of righteousness, that is, in the more solid doctrines of the gospel concerning Christ, who is our righteousness. Thus the disciples and apostles of Christ knew but little of the mystery of our redemption at first and were ignorant concerning the passion of Christ and the resurrection as also of the ascension of Christ till the Holy Ghost came and taught them these things and brought those things to remembrance that Christ had taught them. Eight, weak Christians are strong in affections and not in judgment. They have usually more heat than light. Young Christians are like young horses. They have much metal but are not fit for a journey because they are not steady-paced. There are many Christians that have much zeal and affection but are not so solid in their judgments. But this argues much weakness in grace. Nine, a weak Christian is one that cannot bear reproof. Sharp weather will discover whether thou art of a weak or sound body. So a sharp reproof will discover whether thou art of a weak spiritual temper and constitution. When Nathan came to David, he could bear the reproof, though the prophet told him to his face he was the man that had sinned. But Asa, though a good man, could not endure the faithful reproof of a prophet, but was wroth with the seer and put him in the prison house. Second Chronicles 16.10 10. A weak believer is one that can trust God for his soul, but not for his body. So Jesus Christ argues that those had little faith who did expect heaven and happiness from God their Father and durst trust him with their souls and eternal concernments, and yet there's not trust him for good for food and raiment. There are those that dare trust God for heaven, 
and yet not trust him for earth. But these are of little faith. The disciples, when they wanted bread, began to reason among themselves how they should be supplied. O ye of little faith, saith Christ, why do you thus reason? Can you trust me for the bread of eternal life? And dare you not trust me for the bread of this life? Be not then discouraged, you that discern in yourselves but small measures of grace. Look on your wants and imperfections so as to grow in grace, and not to be content with any measure. But look not on the small beginnings in grace as a discouragement to you. When you see in a field a great oak, you may say, This great great tree was once but a small acorn. Those Christians who are now but small sprigs may hereafter be tall cedars. Say to thy soul, Though I am but weak, yet I shall be strong. Grace where it is true, will be growing. The smoking flax may be a burning and shining lamp in God's candlestick. And therefore, as you must not be content with the greatest measure of grace, so neither be discouraged with least measure of grace. A grain of mustard seed may, may grow a great tree. Matthew 17.20 Content not yourselves with small measures of grace. In a a little of the world will not content you. In the womb, a foot contents us, three feet in the cradle, and seven feet in the grave. But betwixt the cradle and the grave, a whole world will not content us. And shall a little grace content us? For wealth and desire of it thou art as the horse leech which cries, Give, give, and as the grave that never saith it is enough. And for grace, wilt thou be content with a little? Sand of the sermon number two. Sermon number three on the same text. Because there is in him there is found some good thing towards the Lord God of Israel in the house of Jeroboam. First Kings fourteen thirteen. We have given some scripture characters of those that have a little grace, and now we proceed to resolve a third question. Why doth God so order and ordain it that among his own people shall all shall not be of an equal stature in Christ, but there are of them some in whom there shall be but the beginnings of grace found? It is true. It is not without it is not with regeneration as it is and was with the creation. It is not with the trees of righteousness as it was with the trees of paradise, which were created all perfect at the first. But it is not so in the work of grace. We are not perfectly sanctified, nor at once. But we perfect holiness in the fear of God, and that by degrees. And God hath given to some of his people but small beginnings and and measures of grace, and that for these reasons. First, to put a difference between our estate on earth and our being in heaven. In heaven we shall all have an equal stature in grace. Though it be disputed that there are different degrees of glory. But in heaven, the spirits of just men shall all be made perfect. Hebrews 12.23 And there we shall all come unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. 
Ephesians 4.13. All believers here are justified by God alike. God doth not acquit the strong and hold the guilty the weak. But justification is alike to all. But our sanctification is not alike. But when we come to heaven, our sanctification shall be then as our justification is now, that is, perfect and equal, we shall have not only a perfection of parts, but of degrees. Two, two, this is to make men live in a continual dependence upon divine influx and supplies from the Spirit of God. If children should be born perfect men as Adam was created, we should not then see that continual need of and dependence on our parents. We are bred in the womb and afterwards born into the world, and then by degrees grow up from stature to stature. And so it is in grace. God deals thus. Converting grace doth not make us so perfect as we shall be afterward. At the first creation he made the trees all fruitful at their full growth, but now it is otherwise. They are first kernels, or seeds, then plants, before they are grown trees. And they have dependence on the influences of heaven. So we are first babes, then young men, and then strong men in Christ to keep our souls in dependence on God's grace. Three, for the greater ornament of the mystical body of Christ. In a natural body, if every member should be of an equal bigness, the body would be monstrous. But the body is so proportioned in its different members that the lesser become serviceable to the greater, and so they all orderly discharge their mutual operations. As in music, there would be no harmony if the strings were all of an equal bigness, the one string being the bass and other, the other the treble. That makes the music to be more melodious. So it is in grace. The different degrees of grace makes the body of Christ more harmonious. It is here as in some curious piece of needlework. If all the silks were of one color, it would not set out the work with so much luster and amiableness as the variety of colors will do. For to make God's people see a necessity of maintaining fellowship and communion together to edify and build up each other. There would be no need of, of Christian discourse and holy fellowship did not our weakness require it. As among the members of the body, God hath so ordered them that each member is serviceable to another. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee. 1 Corinthians 12.21 So among the people of God, some being weak, others strong, there is a necessity of maintaining communion together. There is an instinct in nature that things weaken themselves cleave to those things which are stronger than they. The conies are but a feeble flock, yet make they their houses in the rocks. Proverbs 30.26 Among birds, the dove, the silliest and most shiftless creature, yet she hides herself in the clefts of the rock. Canticle 2.14 The vine among the trees is the weakest, yet it clings to the wall. The hops among the plants, yet it twines about the pole. 
so God hath ordered it in his infinite wisdom that some Christians should be stronger and some weaker in grace, that the strong may help the weak and each be serviceable one to another. Five, to set out the glory of God in all his glorious attributes. This different size of grace in Christians doth glorify the mercy of God and the free grace of God, who when there are some Christians that have but a little grace, yet God rewards those small measures of grace with great measures of glory. This magnifies the power of God, who when we are weak, yet the great God manifests his power in our weakness. Yea, his strength is made perfect in weakness. 1 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. And therefore Paul adds in the same chapter, verse 10, For when I am weak, then am I strong, that is in Christ. It is not a demonstration of, is it not? A demonstration of great power to keep a small spark of fire that it shall not be quenched in a flood of water? Yet behold, that little spark of grace in thee shall not be quenched in thee by the flood and torrent of thy corruptions. It is by God's power that the least measure of grace shall be preserved. There is not so much of God's power seen in preserving the angels as a weak believer. For the angels, though mutable, yet are perfect creatures. They have no weights of sins and corruptions to pull them down. But alas, we have such a bias, an inclination to sin. We are apt to be turned aside from God every moment. The power of God is more seen in preserving a poor believer in the state of grace than in preserving the angels in a state of innocency. And as God's power is seen in preserving of a little grace, so it's also seen in the increasing of small grace. Grace is like to that cloud which the prophet's servants saw, which at first was but like a man's hand, but afterwards it overspread the whole heavens. 1 Kings 18.44 True grace is of a spreading and increasing nature, and therefore the increase of our graces may be shadowed out in the vision of the waters of the sanctuary, which at first were but to the ankles, after that to the knees, then to the loins, and at last so deep that they could not be passed over. Ezekiel 47. God doth hereby glorify his wisdom, as God's wisdom is demonstrated in the world by the variety of creatures which are not at all of the same bulk and bigness, but some bigger and some lesser. So in the church of God, his wisdom appears that some Christians are of greater and some of a lesser measure of grace. Search the whole creation, and you shall find the wisdom of God in the variety of creatures. In the event in the heavens, there are the greater and lesser lights, and so stars of different magnitudes do beautify and bespangle the heavens. So in the sea, there are greater and lesser fishes. In the air, the great eagle and little sparrow. On the earth, the elephant and little dog. Among the creeping things, there's the great serpent and the little pismire. Among the vegetables, the tall cedar and the hyssop on the wall. And also among the rational creatures, there is a giant and a dwarf, a grown man of a tall stature and a child but of a span long. 
so is God's wisdom, greatly illustrated that as there is variety of natural proportions in the world, so there are various proportions of grace in his church amongst his children. Before I come to apply this point, which is of great, uh, very great use to God's children for their comfort, I shall lay down some general positions about small measures of grace. First, that in the church there are found more weak Christians than strong, more young converts than old and grown Christians. As in the forest, there are more young sprouts than old trees. In a garden, more young slips than old roots. In the world, more young children than old men. In Nineveh, there were 120,000 infants. There was not such a number of old men. Jonah 4:11. By how much things are perfect, by so much they are the fewer. Look among other creatures, those that are of a bigger bulk or of a lesser number. As in the sea, there are more young and little fish than great whales. On the earth, the smallest things are innumerable. Jeremiah 46:23. In the air, there are more swarms of flies than flocks of birds. So in the church of God, there are more that are young and weak converts than old Christians. It is with most Christians as it was with Jonathan's signal arrows, which he shot to warn David by, of which two fell short and but one beyond the mark. So where one Christian shoots home to the mark of the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus, there are many that fall short. And second, that there are many that have but weak measures and small beginnings of grace who have been a long time under the profession of religion and under the means of grace. Such were the Hebrews who for the time that they ought to be teachers yet had need that one should teach them again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. And I may accommodate to this purpose that speech of Christ, many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. There are many who went out early and took, as it were, the first step in profession of religion, and yet others have overgone them and went out after them. Many who have but weak measures of grace have been of long standing under the means of grace. And therefore Christians are not to judge the strength of grace by their profession, but by their proficiency. It is not how many years you have been professors, but what experience and judgment have you gotten under ordinances? Three, that the smallest measures of grace cannot merit eternal life and glory, because great measures cannot. In merit, there ought to be a proportion, but between grace and glory there is none. Our services are imperfect, our salvation is perfect. Our services, but momentary, our glory is eternal. There is no comparison between our light duties and eternal weight of glory. The church in the canticles is described according to the several parts of her body. Her voice is sweet, her countenance comely, and her dove's eyes are beautiful. Behold, thou art fair, my love, saith Christ. Thou hast dove's eyes. Thy cheeks are comely with rows of jewels, and thy neck with chains of gold. 
Now, it is very observable that though Christ commends the church's eyes, her hair, her teeth, her lips and speech, her temples, her breasts, her neck, etc., he doth not commend her hands to show that though she be adorned with many graces, as with so many beautiful ornaments and comely liniments, yet she merits nothing at the hands of Christ by all her doings. The church's beauty is perfect through the comeliness of Christ. Ezekiel 26.14 For that believers ought not to rest satisfied with the small measures of grace that they have received. Though a little grace may bring you to heaven, yet you are not to take up therewith. But if you have got a little grace, labor for more, and to quicken you hereunto, consider. Small measures of grace are not so sensible and evidential to yourselves. Little things, because they are little, are not seen. There may be a little dust hovering up and down in the air, yet because it is small, we see it not. This is the reason why Christians doubt. Grace is little and therefore it is not discerned. Compare Matthew 8.26 with Mark 4.40 and we shall find that in Matthew, Christ saith in his reproof to the disciples, O ye of little faith. And in Mark, how is it that ye have no faith? You may from the variety of these expressions gather this, that a little faith unexercised as to comfort is as good as no faith. It was so little, it was as good as none in that particular exigence they were in. You may have a little grace, and yet, as to comfort, that little and weak grace may not further thee in a way of strong consolation. Not but that a weak Christian is accepted, and the weaker Christian may lie in his father's bosom. Yet it is the strength of grace that gives us strong consolation. Consider that small measures of grace, though they may bring you to heaven, yet they are not so useful to others. The weak Christian cannot do much good in Christian converse because they want judgment and experience in the ways of God. Therefore, such are not to be received to doubtful disputations, Romans 14.1 and 15.1, but are to be born withal. Spiritual and strong Christians are most useful. Young converts are not fit for some exercises about religion. They are not fit to strengthen others. When thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Luke 22:32 is not to be understood of this, of his first conversion, but of his progress in religion, as if Christ had said, "When thou art strengthened thyself, strengthen thy brethren." There are some duties which young converts are not fit for. A piece of new cloth is not fit for an old garment, neither old bottles fit for new wine. Perius and most expositors referred uh, that place to the, that case of conscience, why Christ's disciples did not fast often. They were like old and weak bottles, and so were not fit for that strong duty, which was as new wine and would be apt to break them. Christ said to his disciples that he had many things to say unto them, which in regard of their weakness, they were not then able to bear. John 16:12. Nor are small measures of grace 
so honorable to God. God is glorified when his people bear much fruit. Much means and pains and a little fruit is a shame to the vine dresser. And therefore, believers must not rest satisfied with small measures of grace. It is our duty to improve those small measures of grace which God hath given us. And consider, he that is faithful in a little, God will make him ruler over much. Luke 19, 17. <clears throat> Use of grace will increase it. Yet if thy grace be increased, ascribe it all to God. It is God's pound and not thy pains that hath gained Use is of comfort to weak Christians, to those young Abijahs in whom there is, no, is found but some little good. Let such know to their comfort. Though thy grace be but a, a, in little in quantity, yet it is much in value. A pearl, though but little in substance, yet is of great worth. So a little grace is of great value. The heart of a wicked man is nothing worth you may have much knowledge and seeming grace, but no true worth. A shop full of barrels will not make a man rich unless those vessels be full of commodities. Gifts as to heaven are but the lumber of a Christian. It is grace that makes him rich towards God. Though thy grace be but little for the present, yet it will grow for the future to a greater measure. A little grain of mustard seed, the least of all seeds, will in time grow up to a tree. Matthew 13.31 Grace is fitly compared to leaven, which is of a spreading nature. Matthew 13.33 To the cloud, which the prophet's servant saw, 1 Kings 18.49 And to the waters of the sanctuary, which did all increase. Ezekiel 47.3 an infant of days shall proceed by degrees until he become like the ancient of days, perfect as his heavenly Father is perfect. Naturalists observe that the seeds of the cypress tree are very small, and yet of them proceeds a very high tree, such as the birth and growth of grace. The little measure of grace once begun in the soul shall be perfected. God will not break the bruised reed nor quench the smoking flax until judgment be perfected in victory. Matthew 12.20 By judgment is meant here the work of sanctification <clears throat> till that comes to be prevalent over corruption. Paul was confident <clears throat> that he, has, he that had begun a good work in them would finish it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1.6 The Lord is faithful and will do it. <clears throat> 1 Thessalonians 5.24 God hath commanded us to go on to perfection. Hebrews 6.1 And he doth not command impossibilities. God blames men of folly in not proceeding to finish when they have begun to build. Luke 14.28 God will never begin to rear up a structure of grace and never finish it. Besides, God hath promised to perfect that which concerneth his servants. Psalm 138. The weakest Christian hath grace alike for quality, though not for quantity. Though thy grace be not so much, yet it is as true as others. Though but a convert of yesterday, 
yet thy grace is as true as of an old standard in religion. Faith is alike precious in all believers for quality, though not for quantity. 2 Peter 1.1 Faith in all believers is alike in respect to the author, God. Two, the object it holds upon, the same Christ. Three, the means of working are the same, that is, the word and spirit. A little grace is true grace. Fire in the spark is as well fire as the flame. The filings of gold are gold as well as the whole wedge. A drop of water is water as well as the whole ocean. A little grace is true grace. For the end it hath the same salvation of soul, 1 Peter 1.9. 5. God will not put your weak grace to trial beyond your strength. God will debate with it in measure. He will stay his rough wind in the day of his east wind, Isaiah 27.8. Thou shalt not have much boisterous storms of temptation as a strong Christian. God will not suffer us to be tempted above what we are able. 1 Corinthians 10.13 God will take care that the Spirit shall not fail. Isaiah 57.16 And sixth, take this for your comfort. The least measure of grace is enough to bring you to heaven. This is not spoken to make you idle, but only to comfort a perplexed conscience. Many, because their grace is weak, they think they have no grace. I have set before thee, saith Christ to the church of Philadelphia, an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Revelation 3.8 It is true, our comfort lies much in the comparative degree, but our salvation in the positive degree. Strong grace hath strong comfort. Much faith will bring thee with much comfort to heaven. But a little faith will bring thee safely to heaven. Free newsletter and a complimentary copy of our large discount mail order Christian book catalog specializing in Reformation resources. Contact Stillwater's Revival Books. On the internet, we are at www swrb.com By email we're at swrb at swrb.com Our mailing address is 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton That's E-D-M-O-N-T-O-N Alberta, abbreviated capital A, capital B Canada, T6L3T5 by phone, 403-450-3730. After February of 1999, our area code will change. We can be reached by phone at 780-450-3730. And keep in mind that William Hetherington, commenting on the Solemn League and Covenant, the epitome of Second Reformation attainments, in his History of the Westminster Assembly of Divines, 1856 edition, page 134, writes, No man who is able to understand its nature and to feel and appreciate its spirit and aim will deny it to be the wisest, the sublimest, and the most sacred document ever framed by uninspired men.